1: I'm Matt Davis, you're here with me in Parts Unknown as we continue our journey back in time to when WWE wasn't obsessed with getting Roman Reigns over. Here in the pod with me today, representing British pod style, the best pure striker in the history of Sky Sports News, it's Anton Touloui. Hello there. And the Glamazon, Carl Anker. It's the hardest part of the ring. <laughs> and the conscience of Parts Unknown, Dr. Carrie Dunn. Hello. Um, We're going to have to rely on your conscience quite a bit when we talk about uh, this WrestleMania, I think. Um, So it's the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. Well, not really, in WWE speak. Um, They do this with everything, and I just don't understand it. Why can't they just... I mean, is it that they can't count? Is it that they can't wait to say that this is the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania? Is it because they assume the majority of their public... And consumers to be idiots, but you have to have had one to then have one anniversary so twenty six is the twenty fifth anniversary. I mean I got grade e in g c s e maps i wasn 't allowed to resit it because i 'd bring the school 's average down too much, and I was advised not to retake it at college, and I still managed to work that out
2: yeah um yeah, WWE don't like things that look complicated. They like round numbers. They like counting in fives. They like things that are neat and tidy and they like to file off any rough edges. For example, understanding that a 25th anniversary would be WrestleMania 26.
1: <laughs> right, before we get into our match by match breakdown, producer Ben, hit the damn music. My name is- Yeah, this mania featured three songs and 11 minutes of WWE Hall of Famer, Kid Rock. Anton, I'm gonna to have to limit you to one favourite Kid Rock song.
3: Audio syphilis, I presume that's one of my, that's what he gave me. I don't know. The man is bad at rap, country, and every genre he attempts. Oh, he looks like a guy that smells of truck stop hooker, crystal mess, and just 40 years of regret. Wow. Guy, are you all right? <laughs> oh, aw- it was awful. I forgot how much I didn't like him, and then I had to watch it again.
1: Is it, is, who was a Kid Rock Megamix? mega well, uh, Megamix should never be said out loud. Well, how often do we say this is for an audience of one? Are we to assume that the biggest mark for Kid Rock in the world is Vincent Kennedy McMahon? Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, that must be it. Now, what's, what's the other explanation? Vincent McMahon
0: drives to work with Kid Rock blasting through his car stereo.
1: I think he must do. There it is. Oh, my word. Stop breaking me. <laughs> All right, to the graps. There are two absolute standouts here, Carrie. Um, can we talk about Taker versus Sean part one first? On our last episode, we wondered if this was the greatest WrestleMania match. I think with the the story going into it of career versus Streak, maybe in terms of the total package it was, Um, In terms of what happened bell to bell in between the ring, this is certainly my top three favourite WWE matches ever. Is it worthy of its inclusion in that imaginary list in my head? Is it in yours?
2: Well, it can be whatever you want in your head. Thank you. It's fine. I'm not going to tell you you can't think things. That would be terrible. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I've talked quite a lot about how I'm invested in stories rather than technical size of things so i probably preferred the one at 26 more because of that kind of grand narrative building but yeah obviously i completely understand why others would go the other way around which i can see anton kind of nodding my peripheral vision so i think he has things to say
1: um, well well anton we on the last episode devoted a lot of time talking about sean in this match so A bit about Taker as well who uh, obviously as we started at 34 and we've worked our way back down we've kind of been lamenting the fact he's gone on so long. This is in the period of that three or four years he had of absolute classic matches and as good as Sean is as big as part of it as he played in it takes two to tango. Oh completely. This is the one
3: that Undertaker, sort of, well it doesn't lead but in terms of is as, as equal as he can be to, to Shawn Michaels as opposed to the other one where I think Shawn takes more of a lead in some ways this was brilliant, I love the way that it belts because Shawn Michaels had an answer for everything early on and that was brilliant to watch and straight away I'm just thinking even though you probably know what the result's going to be, the way they do it was fantastic and just the little silly things like the whole cameraman spot and I, I preferred this match, I genuinely, I think this, I think this match was actually, this is a clinic this is something that people should watch if they, you know, if they want to get into the wrestling professionally or if they just want to rediscover their love for it.
1: We want, you know, great matches and everything to be a clinic and etc. But Anton touched on it there, Carl. When you get a bit of realistic drama in a botch, uh, as in this case, Jimmy Snooker's son, Sim, was dressed up as a cameraman. He was supposed to break Taker's fall when he dove outside the ring and he wasn't in the right position to do so. Taker takes a horrible bump onto his head and we all go... Ugh. As as sort of horrible as that sounds, because you don't want people to hurt themselves, that definitely adds something when something like that happens in a match.
0: Wrestling is at its best when you forget that it's predetermined. It's not fake, it's predetermined. Choreographed, as what Flair says, yes. yes. Uh, wrestling's at its best when it's pushing up against the the barrier of reality. Something I've got down for the notes is this. You watch this match, Bray Wyatt was never going to be the next Undertaker. <laughs> I'm sorry I said it on a previous episode. No, no, no. Just simply from the entrance alone. Right? Uh, yeah, Br- Bray is very good and will be good. And he's a world champion and a tag champion and maybe a Grand Slam. But Undertaker is transcendent. A big man can't move, should, shouldn't be able to move like that. A big man shouldn't be able to not only move like that in large movements, like how he can jump over the top rope to fall or kind of fall on Jimmy Snicker. But to understand the really small things, like how to really slow down a Snake Eyes. Peak Taker mm. is fantastic and really sells the fact that she's ethereal and weird. So you've got the many versions of Taker where... Some versions of Taker are, I am undead. Some versions are, oh, I'm I'm like a cowboy, old-time gunslinger. And some of them are, you just think I'm undead because I'm that good at what I can do? You forget that I'm inhuman? You forget that I'm human. And this is the one where Sean gets increasingly desperate and gets more and more reckless in trying to put down Undertaker. And eventually that's how it ends, where Sean goes... I've just got to go all out and go for it. And takes like, nope. Boom. Like, you begin to understand intricacies about work rate and, and, and the pauses in a wrestling match in this match. And, and it's, it's wonderful. It's the second best match in WrestleMania
1: history. All right, well, stay tuned to our remaining episodes to find out which is the best match in WrestleMania history. One thing that really benefits this match, I think, is the fact that we've got JR um, commentating on it rather than Michael Cole or somebody else. At the start of the match, you often with Cole, you get so-and-so as an underdog, hence they win the match jr uh, is trying to make a case that sean can win this game and he says okay he retired rick flair last year and he beat Bret hart in an iron man match at wrestlemania rick flair Bret hart not a bad wrestlemania resume that makes you buy into the fact that he could win it and then he's got this line where it right near the end where he says um, tombstones choke slams last rides and a kick out and a kick out and a kick out and i've got goosebumps just thinking about that now it's it's you can see why wrestlers in the past have said I want Jr. calling my match, please. Oh, completely.
3: I've, one of my notes I've got. There's nothing wrong with a veteran being a veteran, because I think that's almost. And JR's the same. So in terms of Shaw sure, Michaels is so good in this match because he is so is so experienced in the ring and knows how to figure out Undertaker's moves. Undertaker is so good because he's just one of the greatest of all time and knows how to better him. Jr. makes it better because he's been doing this for years and years and years and knows you know how to how to be hyperbolic without being ridiculous. And
1: that's why this match is just wonderful. Yeah, he's he's hyperbolic without being ridiculous, but he does talk about pet coons and scalded dogs and um, educated feet and stuff and we love him for it uh, we're going to go next to Money in the Bank competing this year Christian Finley, Kane Kofi Kingston Natch Mark Henry MVP Shelton of course and your winner a relatively untattooed long haired CM Punk for the second year in a row he would cash in the Money in the Bank on uh, Jeff Hardy and win the World Heavyweight Championship straight after Hardy had won the title from Edge in a ladder match shortly afterwards but what was notable about this noted CM Punk fan Carrie Dunn is that the crowd were not happy for Punk to have won. Christian had just returned to the company. Everybody wanted Christian to win it. Um, I remember reading in Power Slam shout out to Finn Martin that he thinks that they should have called an audible earlier in the match and gone, okay, let's have Christian win it. Is that something that could possibly have happened or because the the storylines are booked out so far in advance, that's that's never a possibility.
2: Well I think partly can the storylines being booked out so far in advance. But I think with the when we're establishing about matches being choreographed, with a ladder match being that choreographed, I think that'd be quite difficult to call an audible in that um and also, I just really like when punk pisses people off. It's just <laughs> that is the best kind of punk. Actually, all the punks are the best kind of punks. I love. <laughs> so, I miss seeing punk guys. Oh, it's so sad.
3: I I disagree with that. Not, not the punk thing. Love punk. Um, more the way the fact that actually Christian could have won a ladder match in the coolest way to ever win a ladder match in this. Because he's in the middle of the ring. The ladder swings. He then he then kicks it off the rope and goes back to the back to the center of the ring. If he just climbed the ladder. That would have been the the best way to ever win a ladder match because he just there were two ways he should have just gone straight onto the mat and because he's so good and he's so experienced and been doing this for years that would have worked. They had a perfect ending to the match awesome. and they and they and they and they you know, and they and they scripted it out, which is which is fine in terms of. But they could have easily called the audible because it was
0: the finish was there. The idea that you can't change something involving Money in the Bank, which is a literal physical retcon of any storyline you want. Like the great thing about Money in the Bank is oh, they're not really enjoying this main event feud. You, briefcase now, change course immediately uh, We know Raw is writ- very often written on the night of uh, I don't think WWE tries to plan stuff out more than two or three months because of injuries because of problems and, and because some, the fans just sometimes won't take the teat um, But yeah, you, you, could, you could have definitely called it Audible and then have Christian win that But we know what Vince McMahon thinks of Christian, don't we? Put a blue dot over his face.
1: We sure do. Um, This was a great match, though, right? I love it. it. Wow, they really like Kofi Kingston. (laughs) (laughs) So this was (laughs) Kofi's first mania. So my notes, it
3: says, is Kofi Kingston a waste of talent? And I don't mean that horribly, but in terms of, he's got the athleticism. At that time, he was really over with the fans. And yet we haven't had him. We haven't seen him have a great singles career. He had a brief sort of run at the a run at the big title against Randy Orton, didn't all, he? Yeah. When he sort of ruined his car and all that kind of thing. But other than that, got a couple of IC titles and.
1: But he was huge. He was, he was so popular going into this match. He was brilliant. Triple H didn't help him, did he? When he just said, "Didn't you used to be Jamaican?" Which is kind of classic <laughs> Triple H. Not we got your character wrong, and now we have changed it. Um, it a, sort it of a, thing. Finley's almost fifty. Can I just say? (laughs) He he goes. He's 49 and he does really well. Um, Finley's going to be a bit of a staple as we go through the next WrestleManias. I can't quite figure out MVP. Balling. That's all (laughs) I remember (laughs) about him. Balling. (laughs) And and, and the Robbie Fowler nose nose plus. Yeah, and he lost loads and loads of matches, didn't he? So this is the one where Matt Hardy comes in. That was the year before. Right, okay. Um, Yeah, so Punk won for the second time in a row. Um, They kind of botched it the year before because they didn't go anywhere with him and was, so was this kind of a concession to that and okay we'll we'll try again and and it ended up being a good thing because jeff obviously left and then jeff got hit with that pretty serious drugs charge and and punk was able to just work beautifully off all of that saying yeah i told you so so i guess we we ought to praise them for having planned something that uh, worked
0: there's the wwe documentary best in the world with punk post pipe bomb post Money in the Bank victory over Cena. I have the DVD; it's great, it's fantastic. Uh, and they talk about they talk about his frustrations over winning the Money in the Bank, losing it, getting that weird punt thing with Randy Orton, and then backstage going, "Sorry, we like got that wrong. We're gonna give you a mulligan, and you can go win- go out and win it again." And yeah, I think there are loads of things with CM Punk where they don't realize what they have, and they give it to him later on. And th- like this is the really interesting thing about Punk because I can very much imagine in Vince McMahon's head. He doesn't understand why Punk is mad at him. He's going, "What more do you want? You, you you got money in the bank twice. You're you're pretty much a grand, you're nearly a grand slam winner. Um, I gave you Paul Heyman.
1: I you, called you Phil on TV.
0: I called you Phil on TV. You feuded with me. You you feuded with everyone. Yeah, we got summer of Punk wrong, but then you got another one. You were the champion for 434 days. You would have got, but like, you eventually would have got your WrestleMania thing. You, you, like you got your contract. You got your new music. Yeah, I gave you like in Vince's head. And we know, we know Vince very much. If you'd work hard for Vince, Vince will reward you. And Vince has said, I'm, I'm assuming he's going, this guy's done loads of hard work for me and I've eventually given him everything he wanted. And even when I got it wrong, I gave him mulligans. And Punk is going, you gave me everything I wanted. Three months too late? Which is why maybe they'll get back together, but also they won't because when Vince leaves, Triple H is in there and Triple H and CM Punk don't get along at all.
1: So it's Punk, go all in. CM Punk and Bret Hart, quite interesting comparisons in that regard and their relationships with, with Vince and Triple H to a lesser extent as well, I, I suppose. So if, if if Bret has come back and returned to the fold, I guess the big difference is that Punk is saying these days that it's, it's not WWE per se, but professional wrestling that he's done with.
2: Yeah, um, I think the thing with Bret is just that he was so steeped in that kind of World, that whole kind of carny thing. And I just think Punk has other things he wants to do, whereas Brett has never had anything else in his life, ever, apart from himself. Also,
3: also Punk isn't a damaged man child like Brett Hart and I don't mean uh, I no no, but, but a, no, a different but, no, kind of no, but damaged child Okay, fine. But he's got you know, he's yeah, he's got much more of a sort of support network around him yeah. and he's and he's aware of you know, previous struggles and that kind of thing, is a lot more self-aware, I think, a lot more emotionally intelligent, let's say, okay. and a lot less vulnerable.
1: But in the way that we we've, we spoke in the last episode about Bret Hart being sort of self, self-obsessed self and, and quite egotistical, Punk is that too, isn't he? He's just cooler.
0: Punk Punk's referenced how much he loved Bret Hart growing up. The, the, the whole feud with Jericho going into 29, where he goes, oh, you, you're talking about how I've stolen the best in gimmick of you. When I was a kid, I used to watch Bret the Hitman Hart. Loads of wrestlers, crib off Jericho. Loads of wrestlers, crib off Bret Hart. Loads of wrestlers, crib off John Cena, who is cribbing off Ricky the Dragon's Demo. It's it's just all there.
1: Um, I forget my point. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice to hear it anyway. Let's move on to the Hardy Brothers battle. Matt versus Jeff. Um, So Matt and Jeff. Jeff had been the champion. Matt had returned to the company. Um, These two obviously still here, still still. Competing. Gonna say something that I said about Punk Mysterio on the last match, carrying and that I think this would have been a really good match if it had been five minutes longer. And word is this got shortened. Um Sort of shortly before they went out and they made the classic mistake of rather than going let's take this out this out this out and this out let's just squeeze it all into a shorter amount of time so you get loads and loads of, b- of big spots and bumps but they don't mean much because there's no time to sell them because you've got to move on to the next one and thus I was slightly disappointed by this match
2: No, it's kind of Hardys isn't it just trying to get everything in as soon as you can just to try and be a bit spectacular um, Yeah, I mean I'm not a huge kind of Hardys mark the thing I remember most about this is the weird commentary. The fact that they seem to really struggle with the whole kind of brothers feuding. They kept saying, oh, you you think they, they were strangers. And you're like, why? I don't think do that's <laughs> strangers." What? What are you even <laughs> talking about? Why are you not using not this? <laughs>
0: Again, because WWE is afraid of men being close to they each other. They really are, aren't they? Um, I love this match. It's, I love this match. It's, it's like a really good loop back to final evolution because, and this is one thing WWE never understand: hate, fraternal hatred of each other. Like they can, they try when they do Sean versus Triple H, and they try when they do. Oh, we we're in a f- like tag team or feud together. And we're going to hit each other or whatever. But they really don't understand how this match is set up because the whole match is set up with Jeff is more talented. Jeff is the better brother. Matt is his older brother, so therefore knows how to get into Jeff's head. And he knows how to fight older brother style. So I'm I'm taller than my brother. I can I know I've been fighting him for years. I know what to do to beat him, despite the fact that he is stronger than me. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know that yet. I've just revealed that. He'll he'll figure it out and then that's the end of me. But as long as he doesn't, I can still take a step forward and win most fights between us. And that's the whole story of this match, is that Matt is using years of brotherly I've watched you for whatever and you still think I'm kind of better than you to undermine Jeff's clear superior talent. And I love it. I love this match. It starts really, really hot. It's a really great contrast to Orton versus Triple H later on because that that's another older brother, younger brother thing. Well, it should have been an older brother, younger brother thing and it just becomes a Triple H around the Orton thing.
1: Obviously, this is not the only brother versus brother battle that we will be talking about um, in the series. This doesn't compare to... to- to Brett versus Owen does it, which is one of their, the greatest WrestleMania matches, I would suggest. It's, it's different. The Hart family are
0: supremely technical Ingrid wizards, whereas the Hardys, by their own distinction, are weirdos who grew up on a compound throwing stuff at each other. The Hardy brothers both lied about their age so they could be jobbers to Scott Hall. So the Hart match is clean and crisp and has loads of story about brothers. This one's a mess because the Hardys are, relatively relative to the Hart's, a mess of a family which is why they're <laughs> no they're not <laughs> <laughs>
2: what are you even talking about and what planet ever half family not a mess
1: <laughs> good point i'll be quiet <laughs> Let, let's park that and move on then um to the championship matches next. Cena beats Big Show and Edge in a, a triple threat match. We've spoken about um, Vicky quite a bit on the last couple of episodes. At this point, she was with Edge but cheating on him with Show. We got the footage of them them smooching on CCTV uh, whilst Edge was in the shower. Um, anybody got anything of note to say about this yes. particular triple yes. threat yes. match? Yes. Okay. very much so. <laughs> so it's
3: quite funny that Carl and I uh, had a beer last night. And he he obviously admitted that he's now starting to see Cena in a way. And I, and the, my, the first point I made to him was Ah, have you watched WrestleMania twenty five? Simply because his and it's quote blackmail prank is is filming someone's sexual congress you know, behind their back. That's not okay. That is not that's illegal. That is not okay. <laughs> um,
0: and he's the good guy. Yeah. What? This is such a dick move. He's terrible, and he's rewarded for it because he wins at the end. I'm like, what? You've ruined Edge's life. You've ruined Vic- Vicky Guerrero's life. You've ruined big shit. Why? No, you're terrible. Why? I'm beginning to hate John Cena now. I'm so sick of him being applauded for doing things that are inherently heelish. I'm so sick of him doing incredibly boring feats of strength in his matches. So he has those. Oh, oh, look! You've powered through someone. Pulling you in a hug. Look how strong John Cena is. Obviously, he's strong. He's got muscles on top of his shoulders. That's not surprising. Um, I also have a theory about WrestleManias in general, which is basically the bigger the title Big Show is competing for, the worse the Wrestlemania. I'm sorry, Mr. White.
1: I don't know about you, Carrie, but I am actually absolutely loving... I think it might be my favorite thing about parts unknown that carl is getting to learn about the real john cena and feeling what we're feeling it's just like i'm i'm sorry that you've had your bubble burst but i'm <laughs> pleased that you sort of you've seen the light
2: <laughs> would that be fair yeah and the funny thing is when, talking through that and watching that again and a few years later cena has is involved in a similar storyline he's caught on cctv coming out of aj lee's hotel room aj has her life screwed over Cena doesn't. Nothing happens to Cena. It's yeah. It's it's very odd. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. And I didn't know. Oh, this podcast is doing terrible things to
1: me. He? <laughs> he's what? one of the few wrestlers who keeps his real name, and he's as weird with women off-screen as he is on-screen. It, it turns out. Well, you said that. <laughs> I called it. I called that that marriage was not going to happen, That's and I was absolutely about right. John
0: Cena in Amsterdam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, can we go next to the other? The other title match which it's time for our weekly Randy Orton rant Um, just the 25 minutes between he and Triple H Um, Anton I thought this was absolutely ludicrous that this match headlined Uh, it was really tedious and those in attendance clearly felt the same I I (sighs) I could see where they were going with the build. I kind of got the build in terms of they hit us over the head with it, though, didn't they? Yeah, like, like a McMahon family member. But this this kind of
3: felt like the the worst. This felt like the, the last sort of we're gonna we're gonna push it to the extreme kind of feud. I can remember a WrestleMania in terms of the punts galore. We're gonna affect your family. I'm gonna hit your wife. I'm gonna you know. Not really since then have we had that kind of ridiculousness over the top and actually exceptionally criminal activity in building built into a feud and it's storytelling and i don't necessarily mind it as long as you've got a good but good guy and a bad guy neither of them were they're, they're, they're both dicks for a start so so what do i want them to just beat the crap out of each other like to a point where they, they bleed well they didn't do that so what was this match like it was just two guys that don't like each other then go and fight in a car park around behind the back of a pub like, why, why? Never mind. Put it on the main event. I that's. I just didn't get. It. I didn't understand why I should care what happened in that ring.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And um, why is this no DQ? And like, they kind of announced that really late. Didn't stop they?
0: putting late if the champion is DQ'd, he loses the title. Things because it lets all the air out of the match.
1: So that's the first half of uh, our look back at WrestleMania 25. Don't go anywhere though, because next we're going to be talking about Chris Jericho fighting some old men. Next up, we're going to be talking about Chris Jericho versus Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snooker and Ricky Steamboat. The match that all came about because of the film The Wrestler, which was released this year. They wanted Mickey Rourke in a match. He didn't agree to be in a match, so he sat looking disinterested uh, from ringside and would eventually get involved in the finish. I think they also initially wanted Hulk Hogan to compete in this match rather than the three, which kind of would have made a little more sense in terms of storyline-wise. In terms of the actual match... Anton, um, it was kind of okay when Piper was in there. It was awful when Snooker was in there. And when Steamboat was in there, it looked like a sort of competitive four minute wrestling match. I actually really enjoyed this and I felt bad for enjoying it. But then I thought, no, it's
3: entertainment. I'm supposed to. So. It's fun. And I love the fact that just, Chris Jericho has got a point. Hall of Famers rarely retire gracefully go away and we all kind of think that a lot of the time so for them to sort of team up and fight it's it's silly but it kind of made sense and I just love the way that you know Rowdy Roddy Pipe was so angry with even his own teammates as soon as he gets in the ring you're like that's fun and he doesn't last very long and then it's awkward the next band comes into the ring and then how good is Steamboat I mean how good is Steamboat so he obviously was in the ring for about five minutes and he's He's just, I mean, he's way into his 50s, mid 50s at this point, and he looks absolutely fantastic. And then on Raw the next night, he's so good that they draft him into a six man tag match. He wasn't supposed to, but because he did so well and the fans loved it so much. But he was so good. Why did you need Flair? And then why, you know, why not just let Steamboat have his moment? And then, so you bring out Flair, and then you bring out Mickey Rourke, who looks like what? The skin of a lynx, dragged over a skeleton, <laughs> put in a Johnny Depp
1: suit. So it was all really awkward. It kind of ruined, it ruined Steamboat's moment. Who stole the show? Carl, why did we have Ric Flair here? Next week, we're going to go big on Ric Flair and his retirement match. Um, this is a year later, and he feels the need to take a ludicrous high-back body drop at the end of the match to make it all about Flair. This was, this was kind of a lead into what we'd get from him over the next few years of doing what Anton said, not going gracefully.
0: Ric Flair doesn't do graceful. Ric Flair is a sledgehammer of subtlety and for that I will love him uh, don't watch this match if you want to talk about Ric Flair and you want to talk about Ricky Dragon Steamboat get up your WWE network you want to load up it's 1989 Ricky Dragon's Steamboat versus Ric Flair best 2 out of 3 it's amazing it's the one that ends with Terry Funk turning on Ric Flair um, and it is structured it's for the NWA gold belt um, it is structured like a legitimate shoot fight So you have judges, uh, Terry Funk is one of three judges who have a scorecard, and as the match goes on, you keep getting reports about those two going on. Um, And it's amazing because Ricky, and a lot of those wrestlers, Ricky, Piper, Flair, other person, their peak is all pre-WWE, really. Their big stuff, like Roddy Piper is amazing in a territory. It's an amazing promo where he legitimately... Cracks a beer bottle, a prop, not a fake one, over his head, and his head starts gushing. And he cuts a promo to camera about how he's going to go and just destroy his enemy. next so like know, well, that's real. And Ricky the Dragon is proto Cena without the terrible Cena stuff. Like, you want you want a good John Cena? Go watch Ricky the Dragon. Themeo from eighty five to eighty nine. Um, so don't watch this. Watch him at their peak. <clears throat> is my advice. And this is again, I'm beginning to not like Jericho. Because he's not having great WrestleMania moments anymore,
1: <laughs> I'm sad. And he was floored by one punch um, by Mickey Rourke at the end. Before we move on, Carrie, I know that you are um, a huge Roddy Piper fan. So for anybody like myself who's not that familiar with his work, he, he was a bit before my time. What, what can you, how would you sum up his career, his impact on the business?
2: Oh, that's an interesting one. I remember someone once saying to me. If you like Dean Ambrose, you should also like Roddy Piper. And I wonder what Anton thought about that because I remember watching that and think and thinking of this being said to me, and yeah, I'm just I, looking appalled and disgusted.
3: I'm looking appalled and disgusted because Roddy was angry for no reason. Dean isn't. Dean just snarls, and you know, there's there's no anger. That's that's the difference. That's what that's what Roddy did so well. That's why that's why they bring him up to just cut promos. Yeah. Yeah, Awful it's...
0: racist gimmicks sometimes. But also,
2: Honestly, it's yeah. weird how he
0: kind of play that as a joke. Some of the racially charged stuff he does is awful. Mm. There's the bit where he paints half of his body. And so he does one promo where he turns to one side and he's white and goes, and I'm ready, pipe, And he turns to his left and it's his face covered in blackface, pretending he's brown. There's the, the, like, dozens of crimes he committed against the Guerrero family and uh, people of Latino heritage, of which he, I hate myself for finding this funny because there's a bit where he goes, I'm really, really sorry. I've committed many, many sins to Latino and Hispanic people. And as an apology, I would like to play the national anthem, national anthem of Mexico on my bagpipes. And he starts playing La Cucaracha. Like Roddy's, huh? (laughs) Wrestling is weird and gross and also kind of funny. And I hate myself for saying that.
2: Wrestling is all of those things. And Roddy Piper is a shining exemplar of why some of time, sometimes it can work. Even when it is weird and gross, he's still funny. Because, again, it's his sheer force of personality. He can get away with things that other people wouldn't be able to because he is so good at doing it. And you never kind of think he's kind of, I don't know, not evil, I think it's kind of intent behind it sometimes as well.
1: Also, anyone that then goes on to do uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I'm a fan of as well, so that's (laughs) fine. Well, you know, racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, they might be a part of wrestling's past. But next we're going to talk about Santina winning a 25 Diva Battle Royal to become Miss WrestleMania. Um, This started... Whilst Justin Roberts was still doing the ring introductions, Layla was eliminated from the match. Um, Carrie, we're awful, aren't we, as men? I mean, just I'm the imaginable. worst. Yes,
2: you're all awful. Um, oh, my God, this whole thing. Right. So, yes, they started without having even done the announcements, which just kind of gives us a slight taster of, of how seriously they're treating this match. They literally don't even know who is in that ring. They don't recognise the wrestlers. It's disgusting. It's essentially the entire roster of women being made to look like a joke. But then also putting that little twist on the end in that they're always going to be beaten by men because, you know, women are a joke at wrestling. So a man in a wig is going to be all of them. Um, The way that they then talk about Santino or Santina in terms of his tattoos and the way that he looks is, again, they're trying to build that as a joke because that's the way they would normally talk about the women. And so it's funny if it's a man, obviously. But they still treat it as a beauty contest at the end. They've got the tiara. They've got the sash to put on Miss WrestleMania. And I was thinking this because you know they they talk about Sean later as Mr. WrestleMania. Mr. WrestleMania has very different connotations to (laughs) Miss WrestleMania. This is hideous. I hate it. I hate the fact that I watched it. I hate the fact that it happened. I hate my life. Carry on.
1: What's the joke here, Anton? That was a question I was asking. Is it is it cross dressing is funny? Women aren't as good as men. Like what 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 were what were we supposed to be? Obviously, the announcers found it all hilarious, but I was like, obviously, quite offended by it. But I was trying to look at it and think. They they've written this with a point, and that there's a joke in here somewhere, but I'll, I'm missing it. I think the point was: look
3: at what the women will do to get hold of this this sash. They'll do anything. They'll you know they'll they'll come down the ring, and gyrate you know against a man that probably stinks of what links Africa and tequila, and then come down and sort of you know you don't have to leave the top rope. You just have to get out of the ring and they sort of push each other around and scrap a bit isn't it funny when they have a little scrap what are they drunk and emotional <laughs> <laughs> and then you know and then what then obviously Laura will say something ridiculous like oh does she need mouth to mouth or a Swedish massage oh. no no i mean just go away and then and then what well done you you win a you win something that basically means men only kind of written across going from shoulder down to waist it's I don't know what the joke is I think the joke is that women scrapping is funny
1: but I don't know yeah, Trish Stratish did the right thing when they asked her to appear in this um, and she said no. Elsewhere on the card, Rey Mysterio dressed as the Joker retires JBL in 21 seconds. Um, it's okay though, he goes on to have a glorious career as a, a commentator and philanthropist. Um, Rey Mysterio, we got the the really weird line from um, JR. I actually thought it was Jerry Lawler but as he came out dressed as the Joker just as that the film with Heath Ledger had come out and uh, Lawler says, oh, he's dressed as the Joker. What did you think of that? And JR says I'd say Ray's career is alive and well which is um, a really really awful thing to say about somebody who's just died. Um, anybody got anything to say about the 21 seconds it was this match?
2: Yes. JBL is terrible. Was he always terrible?
1: At yeah. wrestling? Yeah. yeah. He's alright uh, the year before with Finlay. Uh,
2: everything. He's awful.
1: Yeah but he's, he's got the same barber as Vince. He gives him stock tips and um, yeah. so
0: He's always been willing to bleed. Okay.
1: Uh, the, the only thing you need to know about JBL and JBL's ascent is the
0: Paul Heyman promo of "You're only t- the champion because Triple H didn't want to Tuesdays." Remember it well. Mean, it fondness. was it was a
3: weird gimmick, with it, the
0: whole wrestling CEO thing, because you have to basically know that
3: JBL made a load of money in New York by you know putting his savings in risky investments. So effectively that's so, all you know in terms of and and obviously Vince. That's why Vince loves him. But that's you need to know that to get it. Otherwise, he's just a man shouting things like Texan Texan men. Don't
0: need latte and Pilates. You're like, well, that's, why? That's when, weird. When he went from Bradshaw to JBL, I was of a young enough age that I didn't know it was the same guy. My my friend Kevin goes, that's Bradshaw. No, it's not. That's the new guy. This is
1: <laughs> the cowboy can't be the guy who was in the APA. <laughs> That's it in terms of matches. There are only eight on this card for uh, for a WrestleMania. In terms of the Hall of Fame, what a class this was. Stone Cold, Ricky Steamboat, Bill Watts, Terry Andory Funk, the Von Erichs, and Coco Beware and Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel obviously very, very worthy of his place. Coco Beware maybe did his best work outside of WWE. Um, Does everybody know about the tragic story that is the Von Erich family? Um, Fritz the Patriarch had six sons. Fritz died in 97 of lung cancer. By that time, five of his six sons had died. One of them drowned at the age of six. Um, The rest of them died basically because of drugs or drug-related suicides. Uh, The only one that was left, Kevin, also a wrestler. Uh, Doris, who was Fritz's wife, died in 2015. She's buried next to her five sons and amongst a bunch of grim stories that there are in wrestling this is like almost unbelievably bad
0: i would recommend david shoemaker otherwise known as the masked man that does wrestling articles for Grantland and the ringer has a book called life and death inside the square circle where it basically charts the origins of wrestling from early 20th century up until the modern day every single chapter is named after a wrestler who died prematurely it ends with a co-brand between uh Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, the Von Erich chapter is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever read in my life. Um, just the simple, the final line in that chapter is, when the Hall of Fame rings were collected, six rings were collected by one gentleman. Um, on a lighter note, Fink's Hall of Fame speech is superb. Um, how he goes, I've waited years to finally say, blah, 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 hey, no! <laughs> Induct to Hall of Fame. Um, Terry Funk is everyone's crazy uncle. One thing I learned recently is when you read more wrestling interviews, just how many wrestlers adore Terry Funk. Um, again, he's in uh, he's in Beyond the Mat. One of the Beyond the Mat stories is about Terry Funk and his first or second retirement, and how he comes back a year afterwards. On
1: your good knee, you have severe to, moderate to severe degenerative arthritis. You've hurt that knee too many times. It's been worn out. You are going to need a new knee. Yeah. On your bad knee. <laughs> you
0: shouldn't be walking. Terry <laughs> Funk shouldn't be able to walk, and yet he was wrestling in 2016. Yeah. Um and and Vince McMahon calling Stone Cold Steve Austin the greatest WE superstar
1: of all time. Yeah, maybe cuz Hogan was out of favor at that point, but um <laughs> the last the last thing on this Are oh, you wrong for that one? <laughs> um I thought it was really noticeable how austin obviously got the the extra special hall of fame thing stood out did his wave then went back in got on his um little quad bike thing and came and razzed around the ring and there was so much more crowd heat and interest for that than there was for the triple h Randy Orton match it was it really really stood out to me um he's my favorite ever austin um where does he rank for you
2: again uh, real life and kayfabe overlap for me a little bit here um Obviously, he's fantastic, and I th- kind of—I think I probably would agree with Vince about the greatest WWE wrestler because I think that's a very specific mm. category of wrestler. Um, yeah, maybe Triple H and Orton should have had a fight on the back of like a little quad bike thing. That would be good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was WrestleMania 25. Um, overall. A great money in the bank opener. They backloaded the show with those three big matches that they thought were going to go over huge, but they put the wrong one on last, I would say. Um, I feel like this was probably the best that we'd watched since 30. Would anybody agree or disagree with that? I don't know. Fewer matches
3: and the ones they had were, I feel, of a better quality. Um, And they had... Who is now what a glorified yogurt seller? Nicole Scherzinger singing the national anthem. Hey,
2: that was going to be my WrestleMania moment. Oh, sorry. Why did you sing it in a Texan accent?
1: Accent I don't understand. It was disaster. Key start. change
2: they put in for no reason. It was really good.
1: Does everybody feel like they could pretty much recite the American national anthem at this point? Now we're now we're what like ten WrestleManias into this. A little bit.
2: Wait, it's America the Beautiful, isn't it? It's not the same thing, but yeah. You
1: are, actually. Yeah, technicality, but fine. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> where, where, where's, where's Rowdy and his, his bagpipes? It's fine, <laughs> I don't know um, Anton, did you have a WrestleMania moment? At the
3: moment where Jeff Hardy leapfrogs over a massive ladder and then just lands really awkwardly, it's tough to watch, and then just thinking, he's 41 years of age now and he's still alive. I
0: don't know how. Look at his injury record. Up until yeah, the last five years, Jeff... Doesn't have massive injury like no, doesn't have the six it's, months. It's out. the addiction that keeps him out. It's not yeah. the yeah exactly. It's
1: remarkable. Got a WrestleMania moment, Carl.
0: Can I make my WrestleMania moment? Fink's Hall of Fame speech. Of course you can. Because it was beautiful, and I love I love the Fink. Uh, and when CM Punk brought him out because Del Rio had a ring announcer, and he alright I'll just get Fink to announce me one That was great too. <laughs> um, and saying "and new" is is just like a great thing to do <laughs> whenever your friends succeed at anything. So yeah.
1: I love the thing. I'm going to take that on and carry yours is um, Mully Yogurt's own uh, yeah. Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah,
2: I, I, I enjoyed Scherzinger. It was funny. He made me laugh a lot. Um, yeah, the West End's
1: Nicole Scherzinger as well, so there we go. Well, I'm going to go for Stone Cold, uh, coming back out in his Stone Cold t-shirt but his suit trousers and (laughs) smart black shoes, driving around on the quad bike, that was pretty cool. Right, so that's that, Wrestlemania 25, next time we're back in Florida for Wrestlemania 24 to watch The Undertaker wrestle Edge, Floyd Mayweather punch Big Show, Shawn Michaels retire Ric Flair and a very young Charlotte Flair, ball her eyes out. Carrie, where can people keep up with you on the Twitter?
2: On the Twitters, at Kerry Sparkle.
1: And Carl. And Command 616. And Anton. At Sky Anton. At Matt Davis FC for me. At the PU Podcast though. More importantly, tweeters, reviewers, share and subscribe. I've been Matt Davis. This has been Parts Unknown.
0: The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.